His name is Tony White, and he's the Huskers' new defensive coordinator. You are Locked On Huskers, your daily podcast on the Nebraska Cornhuskers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, gang, thank you for making Locked On Huskers your first watch, first listen each and every single day. I'm DP, as it says right there, Lincoln America, 937 Ticket, and want to thank you for making Locked On Huskers a part of your day. Uh, we also want to thank the folks uh, from FanDuel, FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Um, make every moment more. For those sporting moments that you care about and the things that you want to take a vested interest in, fanduel.com slash locked on. There are discounts and all things in order, so have at it. I'm going to take you through this thing uh, about who he is as a person, kind of his personal story, and then into uh, who he is as a coach, where he's been uh, and what he's done. But you're talking about uh, a New York kid. Uh, born in Florida, but he's a New York kid, uh, where his mother uh, and, and father, uh, his father was military. Uh, they met, uh, along comes Tony, and they go to New York. And then as things happen, the, the parents split and he has to choose between, uh, does he go to, does he stay in New York with mom or does he go uh, to Texas uh, with dad? And the choice was made. He, he's going to stay in Texas, where he became a multi-sport athlete, but in specifics, uh, a star uh, high school linebacker. And uh, from that, there's a pride thing that happens when you find people in the community that reach out to you and, and, and take care of him. And he had... Um, a second family, a group of folks there in that community who embraced him, engaged him, and helped elevate him, uh, allowed them to live with them, kind of be in space, and, and uh, for him to have uh, assumed brothers and sisters, folks that were around him, uh, that took care of him. And then uh, from the football side of it, most athletes think local first before they think about you know where they're going to end up. Uh, who they're going to play for. Um, the consideration and what we figured out over the course of years is the consideration comes from uh, local area, uh, whether there's a loyalty uh, in place to, to, to play in places that you grow up in, uh, and familiarity breeds that. But then it becomes the, a matter of the best opportunity and the best fit. And so in choosing UCLA, uh, Tony White, again, uh, elevates himself, changes the way uh, his his life traje- trajectory could have taken him, and he makes a bid. And he uh, attempted to play uh, in the NFL. He had a couple of different situations uh, that he was working from. Uh, he was uh, he thought he was going to be in in Buffalo, and that didn't work. Uh, then he went to the the CFL, and in that time. Uh, the UCLA brotherhood reaches. And so if you don't make it in the NFL, then the CFL 
Um, the Bruins have some history for being able to produce CFL athletes. And so he played, I know he played at Hamilton. I believe he played in Calgary, a couple of the places. And then we get into the coaching cycle that it. So after the player, then he becomes uh, a defensive coordinator. Uh, he became uh, a high school coach in California at St. Genevieve. And he was there for a year. He became a UCLA grad assistant, again, that UCLA thing of taking care of its own. Um, then uh, with Rocky Long in, at New Mexico in 2008, uh, from, from uh, New Mexico over to San Diego State, where he was the cornerbacks coach, and then the real elevation. And the thing that Tony White does, one, for his understanding of the game, so as a linebacker and then a guy that, that has made himself an expert in secondary play, but to become one of the best recruiters in college football. And I didn't say just on the West Coast. I'm saying one of the best recruiters in the country at being able to get the right kind of athletes to fit whatever system he was going to be coaching in. And to tell you that there's a difference between coaching at New Mexico and coaching at San Diego State. Different type of, of, of athletes exist in, in, in those places. And the systems, while similar in theory, require different things from their athletes. But being able to identify that talent and then match that talent and market that talent and sell your program to the right young people. And that's a bridge that the people don't cross often, but it's fitting the right athlete for your system at the right time. And being able to do th those three things properly and collectively turns you into a really good recruiter because you're not swinging and missing and you're not misplacing talent for the wrong place or the place to the wrong town. And so uh, after six years at San Diego State, actually six years uh, at San Diego State as the cornerbacks coach and the recruiting coordinator, uh, I believe he was there nine years total. Then it's Herm Edwards and Arizona State or at least in that space, uh, where the Herm Edwards came at the end of it. Uh, I don't know who it was, Arizona State. Uh, 2018, 2019, at Arizona State as a uh, defensive coordinator, um, just for one bowl game as he got to, you know, that's how Arizona State was getting down. Uh, but a quarterback's coach, defensive pass game coordinator, and the the – Defensive passing game coordinator speaks to expertise. When teams set aside money, resources, and personnel to the passing game specific, then that tells you that in the Pac-12, this was important and it was necessary, absolutely necessary. And he had success. He had success uh, with Arizona State and how they defended and then he moved to Syracuse as the defensive coordinator, as the defensive coordinator, and there for two years, and then in year three, um, moved back to for not only as a defensive coordinator, but also as the linebackers coach. Having coached everything except for the defensive line, being a, a, a former linebacker himself, coaching the linebacker room, and then coaching the defensive backs room, and then the success that followed is important. Why? Because being able to drop into coverage, 
be active in the coverage, and to be specific that he was not going to have his teams give up big plays in the passing game. And there's a number that I want you to think about as we go to break, that over the course of that last year, led the, I believe, top 10 in the country in the fewest number of passes over 40 yards in a season. That's purposeful, and that's where we'll land when we come back to Lock on Huskers. We'll get into some of the numbers and some of the schemes and the things that were done while he was a, a defensive coordinator at both Arizona State and uh, at Syracuse. But we'll do that when we come back to Lock on Huskers. Welcome back. Uh, this is Locked on Huskers, and I want to thank you for making – us the first listen and watch each and every day. I'm going to ask for you to subscribe so that you get the notifications. Please do so. Um, share the content, uh, like the content, let folks know so it shows up on the registers and in, in the analytics that you guys are watching these, that you care about these, and that these things matter. I want to thank the folks uh, again. I'll thank you once again for letting making Locked On Huskers uh, your first watch today, but uh, your second should be Locked On College Basketball. And uh, Isaac, uh, Isaac Shade and Andy Patton cover everything on the floor and off. They get you big-time experts, big-name coaches and players, all of that throughout this entire college basketball season, especially as you head into March Madness, which is right around the corner. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube or however you consume your podcast. We're talking Tony White, we're talking defensive coordinator, and we're talking about what his makeup is and his – what's his personality? What is he known for? And as I said in the previous segment, a big part of this is his ability to identify talent and then cater to that talent for, for, for levels of success and doing it at a high enough volume and frequency that it makes his defenses better. It makes his, his, it makes his, front, uh, his front defensive line better. And if you're talking about Nebraska, and you're talking about the current uh, scholarship situation in defensive backs rooms, there are three nickel backs of note. Two of them, if we found them at starter, we would not be surprised, but that's in the five, often in the in the, in the five of the three, three, five. And then sometimes it's in the second three where you're having a bigger defensive back as a run stop short route defender against a tight end combination. And if that reads to you, especially for Husker fans, you recognize the fact that you're putting Isaac Guilford and Buda Wright in a, in a situation where not only are they comfortable at doing both of those things, but they actually excel at both of those things. They're also both capable of walking up out of that secondary three and putting pressure on a quarterback from an unknown, unknown, unexpected place. And that's one of the advantages of the 3-3-5 is being able to do that. You can drop another linebacker. And, again, if you've got Luke Reimer, um, who, who is comfortable giving you an eight-yard drop in the secondary, then you can bring Gifford or Wright off the corner or up the middle, as a matter of fact, because he closes a window that a quarterback would use to throw to. Also within the scholarship uh pool that we're talking about, there are three returning starters at cornerback. I said that, three. 
There are five that have actually started games for Nebraska at cornerback in that cornerback room. And at any given time, depending on down and distance, you can go three corners, two safeties. You can go uh, with with your your, your nickelbacks in, in, in a rage and rave situation where they walk up and then drop back in coverage, giving you a, a full eight back in coverage. What this allows and forces defenses to do, we'll talk about. But at the safety position, the same thing applies in that you, when you talk about Miles Farmer and Buford, uh, you've got folks, Noel Polagate, who have been a part of the program. They face Big Ten artillery. They they know how to prepare for this. And then you brought in some additional folks. The flexibility that will be that, that will be allowed in this allows you to jump routes, to jump combinations for teams that work, offensive teams that work from tendency. You can personnel against those tendencies and take things away. And that's something that Tony White does at a really high level. And I try not to give people too much advanced credit in talking about what we expect forward. But I want you to ponder what he's done in the past and two things that he's excelled at uh, on the field where the numbers match up. That in the country, he's top 15 in allowing the fewest big plays over 40 yards. If you're a Nebraska fan, you understand it. Whew, we're only going to – the numbers add up that there's only one big play over 40 yards per game as an average. And here's the other thing, that five of those had two games. So there were several games where there were no plays over 40 yards. He caps his defense, and he makes teams become patient underneath. And when I say underneath, I mean underneath. Because he will drop eight in a coverage. Sometimes it's four. Sometimes it's three across. In between the hashes and then each hash to the sideline, a three with, with responsibility. And then for curiosity and cuteness sake, he'll go four across and then four behind. And then he'll mesh those four. <laughs> so he'll take the four coverage where you're, you're, each player is responsible for 10 yards 12 yards across, but then he will extend it with four behind them. And you see the confusion that's required underneath and to have those mistake, those erasers behind them capping plays. I love the fact that he'll be able to do that and you don't know of the eight where they're going to be. That all eight of them could could, could go into run press, uh, run fit. All eight of them could drop and actually move that secondary level back to eight yards to 40 yards and make quarterbacks have to make decisions based on comfort rather than having free open lanes to throw through. And the confusion that it causes with offensive lines to not know of the 11 players on the field who all are capable of walking up and creating pressure where they're going to come from and when they're going to come. And it's really impressive when you find the tendencies and you have the personnel to match. There will be times when Isaac Gifford and, and, and Buda Wright will be on the field at the same time, I would imagine. And not, not knowing where they're going to come from. Freeing up Luke Reimer to actually shoot a gap instead of just standing back waiting to be a victim trying to catch somebody in a crosser. 
but being able to put four across to take away those crossing routes. And you're spreading out offenses and forcing them to make decisions and hope that they can throw through uh, windows that they think are going to exist rather than the ones that actually do. And then it changes the ability because now you could have speed rushers as your fourth and fifth pass rusher. You can have Gifford and Buda Wright lining up as linebackers and then having them be rushers, pass rushers four and five. Sometimes you could be them, have them setting new edges. Sometimes you could uh, stunt and bring them up the middle and cause some chaos up the middle, right in the two open windows, the A and B gap that quarterbacks like to throw through when they feel pressure. But if you're looking at those gaps and then here comes two late blitzers in that into those windows, they make you pump, they make you hesitate, they make you think. And then you have to throw over that initial group. And the other thing that 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 Tony White's defenses do well. They lead conferences in passes defended and interceptions. Why? Because they're causing chaos. They're causing traffic. They're causing chaos in front of in front of those quarterbacks. And they're making you throw through windows that they're not comfortable. They're making you throw off time. And they're making you throw with anywhere from three to eight eyes looking you dead square in the eye from a depth and then planting their foot and breaking on the ball and, and allows the people under them to defend it more tightly and then forcing quarterbacks to throw over them, which is where safeties and nickelbacks tend to feast. So <laughs> I just say there's a lot of purpose and intent. Now, yes, that leads to the other question that what, what that happens with the 335 especially in the Big Ten, especially when the weather is not good. Will Nebraska be able to just fatten its neck and stop the run in this 3-3-5? We'll talk about that when we come back to Locked Up. Thanks once again. We appreciate you hanging out with us on Locked On Huskers and, again, making it your first watch listen each and every single day. I'm going to tell you, uh, again, the folks from FanDuel, uh, jump on. Jump on. Make every moment more. It's simple in that if it's important to you as a fan. You want to carry, you want to cover and keep your eyes on college basketball, go do that, right? There's a place on FanDuel that, that, that highlights – the props and bets that happen within college basketball. And if you want to set some tendencies early for you get the March Madness, now's the time. <laughs> like where amateurs fall is that they decide to just dump in the deep, jump in the deep end of, 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 of betting for March Madness when you don't know the tendencies that have been set in place for you all year. You're just throwing money into the pool. Like, let's just go ahead and do that. So go to fanduel.com slash lockdown for discounts. Uh, as we go through it, um, as we close, we're talking about the three-three-five and, and defensive coordinator Tony White. And again, I, I have to say that I get the X and O geek in me gets a little excited about all of the options. But what I also know is that at this level, at Nebraska, at a Nebraska level, at a Big Ten level, that if you get too cute, it can get you beat. Cute will get you beat, and Tony White's mission will be to put the 
talent that he has and with the skills that they have in the best position to be successful the most often. And by not allowing this team to give up big plays. Right? To be skilled enough at each position to create some problems and to eliminate some problems. But the question becomes, if you're putting some of the best players on the field and you're putting more defensive backs on the field or on a case, let's say in some cases you put five linebackers on the field or four, whatever it is, that in the Big Ten Conference, especially when it comes to weather late, your ability to stop a team from just power wash running you to pieces is important. Now, it's death by a thousand paper cuts rather than being gashed. But that's the reality. How would you want people to approach you? I don't want you to think my biggest fear as a defensive coordinator is that you end up in the house. If you're playing around in, at, at, at three yards or six yards, okay. But in the end, the importance and the focus is the scoreboard versus the stat sheet. And Tony White's defenses will force teams to be patient, to be calm, to not take the risk of throwing it into, you know, double and triple coverage or, you know, <laughs> you don't want you don't want you don't want the additional the additional defenders in the in your place. So, I need to bring that back eight into a box. I need to bring them up and make them get physical. I need to bring them up and make them make some tackles. I need to bring them up and have them hit uh, tight ends uh, at seven yards rather than at 15. But if you're Tony White and you look at this roster and you've looked at the film, I would imagine that he's pretty excited about the back end. He's pretty excited about the returning linebackers we're familiar and that he's also pretty excited about some of the edge setters and boundaries that he has either on the roster or coming to be on the roster who can shake things up and cause more chaos for the Huskers when it comes to Big Ten football. That's really what it's going to be all about. We'll watch it and we'll know more based on changes that we know that there will be at least 16 more changes in the roster just because of scholarship count and others. But we'll pay attention to who goes and who shows. April 22nd is not that far away. Spring game right around the corner. So work is being done down in the big building in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, again, thank you for making Locked on Huskers your first, first listen of the day. Your second listen should be Locked on College Basketball. Get yourselves ready for college basketball. March Madness It's coming. Conference tournaments in Madness will actually be at the Big Ten tournament for both the women and the men. So we'll be able to bring you uh, up stories and updates as well right here on Locked On Huskers. I thank you for hanging out with me today. We'll do it again tomorrow, and we'll close out with those three words that we love so much. Go Big Red!